Hello and welcome back to the A33 Podcast. My name is Alex Catalano and today, Alex Miller, we have got some more Inside Up League Season previews. Plenty to discuss, but first off the block on this episode, the reigning premiers, Collingwood. Well, what more can we say about them? A uh, big tick for 2023 and hopefully even bigger one for 2024, Doc, because they're, they're primed and ready to go again and dismantled my shitty team last night with these. Um, <laughs> but they look the goods again, I reckon, for another big season. Yeah, well, this is this is the big task here because um, going back-to-back is never an easy feat. I mean, I mean, when's the last team got back-to-back to be Hawthorne? Um, Got to go back, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, on, on, Obi, on, Obi, your time is actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to see how long it take everyone to fucking. Uh, yes. Put some respect on, on Timmy's name. Yes, no, we we should. Um, but no, it'll be interesting to see Collingwood. Um, you know, it'll definitely won't be the same team that they rolled out with new players, new new uh, players and players out, and Dan McStay mm. not playing this year and. You know, it's just a, just a few little intangibles just to throw in the spanner for the works for Craig McCaffey's uh, back-to-back run. <laughs> Can the coffee be brewed the same way twice? I think Mr. McCaffey will be asking himself that. But early expectations, Miller, I think, from the whole AFL world are Collingwood pushing for, if not the flag, at least another grand final appearance. I think the core of this team's obviously still together. We really haven't seen... Um, anything I think substantial in the way of uh, departures. Jack Ginneman obviously heading off to Hawthorne. I don't think it's going to change too much. Taylor Adams leaving um, over to the Swans. Uh, I think the midfield still looks good the way it is. Um, obviously, the McStay out for the season with his ACL is going to be the big one, given that Collingwood were already uh, stressing for a key forward. But I will talk a bit more about that in my burning question. Nice you bring up nice and early doc. <laughs> Um, I think, to, to me, there's no reason why they shouldn't be competing in the, the top four once again, Collingwood, and adding a guy like Lockie Schultz into the mix in the forward line certainly makes it even more exciting. Well, the, the team's just stacked. I mean, how much talent do they want to have taken up the whole league? They picked up uh, Lockie, Lockie Sullivan, who, uh, with the supplementary selection, at your age, Doc, you had the pleasure of seeing a lot of his footy, and you've only had nice things to say about him until he till the Bulldogs didn't pick him up and your team was abused. Um, but look, I think, um, yeah, I mean, Collingwood are primed again. What more can you say about this group that hadn't, we hadn't said last year to wrap up the season when we did the grand final review? Uh, their, their players are just so good. They're experienced in situations. They know how to win. They can win from any position you feel like. And that's the biggest threat, I think, to everyone in the league, Doc, is that people may say they figured out Collingwood's game plan, but how... I don't think a team can figure out a mentality and how to beat a mentality. And that's the biggest thing that Collingwood have, I think, is an advantage on the league, is that they're just psychologically built different in a way. Yeah, it's interesting because Collingwood are the masters of the close games now. And, you know, we saw that firsthand in the grand final, probably one of the greatest grand finals we'll ever see in our life. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, it's just sort of how they respond to maybe a later preseason compared to everybody else because now everyone else is trying to catch up with them. Mm. Uh, and, look, in terms of their list demographic, I mean, second in the comp for experience uh, and, and and they're the oldest list in the comp. So they they are smack bang. They're prime players. They're smack bang in that window of being, a, of almost being the next dynasty in, in a sense. Yep. I mean... Some of their best ball movers, you know, Jordan Ngoi is 28. He's still got at least three to four good years, really good years left in him. You know, Isaac Quainor is turning 20, is 25. 
You know, he he's right in that prime. Uh, and in he's the leadership just in, group as well. I was just going to say that as well. He's right in the, he's into the leadership group this year, which is a bloody great testament to him because we all knew he was a good player when it, when when he got drafted all those years ago when we were just starting up this podcast. Um, but he's really come along in leaps and bounds since then. Couldn't be any happier for him. You know, guys like a like a let's say let's say a it, oh geez, who else we got here? Um, Nick Dacos, third year, oh. third year player, of course. You know, Holly, he's Hollywood. <laughs> he's already on the brown, though. Yeah, <laughs> has he done it? Yeah, yeah well, David King reckons he's winning every brown low for the rest of his life. So, um, you know, I'm 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 going to take that to the bank this year, Kingy. You can, and I'll hold you to it. But just the way, and just sort of a lot of talk over the summer has been about, you know, has it, has anyone figured out Nick Dacos? You know, you know. What's going to make it? What's going to be make of it? Can teams work him out? You know, we saw it in sixty percent game time last night against the Tigers, Miller. That no one's going to figure him out. You know, Finn McGuinness <laughs> might be in. He might be in Finn McGuinness's pocket for a week, but you know, in the overall grand scheme of things, who's going to? He just works harder and faster and smarter than everyone. He just uses the ball so brilliantly. I, I've said it, I've said it on record before, and I'll say it again. Like he is this generation's answer to Gary Ablett. Junior, yep. that is. Oh, yep. uh, you can't beat natural talent, Cat. I think it's as simple as that with, with Nick Dacos is that he's so gifted and so good at just about everything. Um, for someone, you know, he doesn't have many weaknesses, probably can't win a, a hit out against Mason Cox at training, which is the only thing that Cox <laughs> can hold over him. But it's across every line, Cat. They're just the stack list, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. They are, and um, the backline's looking as good as ever. I mean, they rested half of them for that game against Norton, and you saw the difference when they came back uh, in the game against Richmond, and Richmond couldn't buy a decent shot at goals. Might, never mind you, the, the goal-kicking itself, but um, they're a quality, quality squad. And just on what you said before, Doc, about the uh, shortened preseason because of the, the grand final, you know, they've been in the situation before, 2018, and... There's plenty of guys that were in that team that managed to bounce back the year after. They had Chris Maynard, uh, Jeremy Howe, uh, Pendles, obviously, Dugowie, Majacek, Hoskin Elliott, uh, Mason Cox in that team as well, Steel Sidebottom, who all managed to bring that team back to another prelim in 2019. I think the leadership is, is well and truly there. They know how to do it again um, after, even with a little bit less time than everyone else had. Obviously, the celebrations would have been a bit different to the post <laughs> <laughs> the post match of the uh, twenty eighteen grand final Miller, but um, I think that's just their advantage right now is that they've got these guys that know. You know, you look at the Richmond team, and um, obviously, there's a lot of these guys starting to move on. Geelong, they're starting to get a bit older. Collingwood, so many of these guys are still in their prime and have been in the pointy end so many times, um, and that is their advantage. And couple that with a stacked squad of young talent. Uh, yeah, they're, they're still looking very, very good in everyone's eyes. I was going to ask you, Doc, do you reckon Collingwood's list is the best in the comp in terms of talent right now and also for the future, best positioned? Oh, in terms of best positioned, I mean, I'm thinking Sydney's well well in there, I think. Uh, Brisbane's certainly well in there. Um, yeah. Well, look, in terms of just being the best list, they're the premiers for a reason, aren't they, Miller? Um, yeah. They're... They've got a, a, an extraordinary blend of veteran heads, uh, guys that are in their mid-20s and young fellas that are only just scratching the surface. I mean, yeah. you know, Bo, Bo McCreary, 23 years of age. Finn McRae uh, is set to break out. He's, he's only 21. Reef McInnes is probably going to get more games this year. He's only 21. 
And guys like Ed Allen, Jacob Ryan, Tao Jath, Harry Diamatia, they're all still, you know, in their teens. So, and they were all, Scary. and they were all highly talented youngsters uh, in their yeah. draft years, respectively. So, and you know, the mid and the mid, it's, it's that mid, it's those mid twenties, <laughs> you know. Lockie Schultz into the club at twenty six. He's an automatic upgrade from Ginevan. Uh, yep. Lipinski twenty five. Josh Dacos twenty five. Uh, Nathan Murphy, if he can be fit again, is 24. Quainall is 24. Uh, Ian Norm, Bobby Hill is uh, 24. Um, oh, Bobby. Th- th- in terms of, you know, the list demographic, in terms of their balance of ages, they're, they're, they are the best. Yep. Yeah. No, no reason to dispute that. Um, I guess that takes me to the burning question, which probably addresses the only bit of that that I have any question on is, <laughs> to me, Miller, can Mason Cox and Darcy Cameron replicate what happened last year? Obviously, there were injuries for the both of them throughout the year. They both come to this season fit off a full preseason. Um, Billy Frampton is in that mix as well. Uh, but without McStay in the forward line, you'd think one of the two of them probably more of a stay-at-home forward and Brampton's got to get involved in there somewhere. Um, I think after last year, there'd be teams looking at that as maybe the one weakness in the squad is that tall group, but I don't want to sleep on what the likes of Majacek can do as well as a marking target. I think they've got a much better forward structure than they've had in the past, but I think it's the one area to me that teams can probably look to exploit as a weakness. Yeah, look, it's a great point, Kat. I think if if you are looking at Collingwood from a tactical point of view, a, a tactician, if you will, um, as, as Dermot Brereton likes to say, um, <laughs> you would you would definitely say, yeah, if you can get that ruck situation sort of rattled, it's going to be interesting because they want both of them in the side, but. The big question as well, Kat, is Ash Johnson. I mean, they want to play him, mm. but there's still questions is can he co-lead the forward line with Majacek? You know, that that's going to be interesting to see. But to answer your question, I think it's going to be down to is how much forward productivity can they get out of the two bigs? I think Cox is the obviously the big one. I still think Darcy Cameron does really well holding his own. Oh, you, you know how much I love big Darcy. Oh, yes. <laughs> Biggest fan. <laughs> we, We've said for a long time, and you were you cat before we all jumped on the bandwagon here at A three when he came in from Sydney that he was going to be a pick up. They got him for the bag of peanuts that was dished out by the flight attendant coming down from Sydney to join Collingwood uh, for the trade for Darcy Cameron, and you know they've got their reward and then some. But I don't know what you think, Doc. I think it's just going to be if they can get you know ten to fifteen goals out of either or both of them um, would be probably a really really good sort of win for them. Yeah, well, certainly, I think the big question does that burning question does lie within those four key positions. You know, your key forwards and that ruck pairing. I yep. mean, obviously, we've seen Cameron. Cameron's so good playing forward as well. I know he only kicked five goals, six, but he he has presence when he when he's when he's marking uh, yep. in the forward fifty. Mason Cox, we're seeing slow development in terms of being able to position behind the ball you know when Collingwood were last in the grand final he couldn't do that he was just a you know one-dimensional stop prop and if if I'm running at the ball (laughs) I'm marking the ball but he's actually positioning himself well now that he can actually play multiple roles um and and that that McStay injury just it sort of does open up a little bit uh, whether it's Ash Johnson or whether it's Reef McInnes or whether it's both and they try something different they they play three mid-sized little uh, 
the you know forward types. Yeah, yeah. they're not. None of them are you know giants. You know, I think uh, Johnson's one ninety three off the top of my head. Uh, I'll double and, check and, for you, Doc. Yeah, I think not key position yeah. size quite. Yeah, yeah. Johnson's one ninety three, um, and McInnes he's only one ninety three, and and say and so is my check. So that's a, but that depends as well on 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 structure as well. It's 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 one of those intangibles that you know everyone's going to sort of think about going forward. But you know, there's no denying that Collingwood's excitement. You know, they probably want to play with just two tools because it's worked so well for them. Um, yeah, true. So look, so look, you'd, you'd suspect really it's it's going to be it's going to be Cameron and Cox again to start the year. Um, Myrchek's probably playing round one, and just because he's got the, the the runs on the board, Ash Johnson kicked twenty one goals in fifteen games last year. I think he's got to start over McInnes. Jeez, I don't mind that. Um, breakout stars, boys. I'll, I'll kick us off, and I know everyone's looking at the. The younger boys in this team, but Pat Lipinski, I think Miller is someone who's oh, got a chance to. It was mine. <laughs> oh, bloody nicked it. No. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Oh, no, that's good. That's good. No, that's good. <laughs> Tell uh, me about it, Cat. Talk to me. His twenty twenty two at Collingwood was was really good, and he looked like he was going to be a guy that was very much going to play that start midfield, rotate forward, can play on the half forward line kind of role. And then he had an injury interrupted twenty three. He didn't play the first half of the season, but when he came back and he looked good, but not the same player that he was the year prior. And I think he showed that he can lock down a role as a forward, I think, this year. And while that may, might mean his touches will go down, I think his goal tally will go up massively this season. And I know they're fighting for spots in that sort of medium forward role at Collingwood, but Lipinski at the moment, definitely leading that charge for me. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's a good call. He looked, he looked I, unreal last night, didn't he, Doc? I thought he was pretty yeah. outstanding. He, he certainly looked like he's gone another level in his game, Paddy Lipinski. Yeah. Whether or not he plays half forward, whether or not he plays wing, he's a guy that knows where to be uh, in transition, knows how to use the ball really, really yeah. well. And I think a, a thing that goes unnoticed at the moment is his contested work. You know, when, when he left the dogs, I was sort of like, yeah, he's not a big loss. He's, he's a bit of a weak as piss outside <laughs> runner. But he's actually really worked hard on that. And, and yeah. I'm bloody proud of him. Um and I'm glad that he's getting his chances. Very good call. Um, I'm looking at, look, I might steal your one here, Doc, in picking this one, but I'm looking at Finn McRae. I think that he's uh, locked and loaded for a, for a big season. He's been patiently waiting, sitting in Pendlebury's little pocket, saying, Pendles, can I come out and play? And he said, look, let me just get to 400 games, and then you can, have a, you can come play with me on the milestone game. So... Look, he's 21, um, taking pick 19 back in 2020. Only played the 12 games. We've seen in preseason, though, how good he is. I think a lot of people worried that he'd sort of morph into the shadows and become a, a sort of a, a missed, missed sort of chance type of player. But I think he's going to have a huge season. Looked really, really good in the limited minutes he got last night as well. And I think he's a guy that will explode on the big stage. And learning, as I said, from from probably one of the greatest players of all time in Scott Pendlebury and these other great midfielders have got around them in Sidebottom, Dugowie, Josh Dacos, both the Dacos has learned from them and then some. So, yeah, I think Finn will have a massive year for sure. Yeah, no, I, think he, I think he's probably the obvious choice, Finn McRae, because Taylor Adams' departure has opened a hole there to be that sort of half-forward mid-type that him and Tom Mitchell were really operating well early last year. Yep. Um, 
So that the, uh, it's a very good one. I think he, he's shown a lot this offseason that he really wants to be in the 22, 23 uh, this year. And I think he's going to get it with both hands. Uh, watch this space on Charlie Dean for mine. Uh, that's uh, if Nathan oh, Murphy oh, yeah. decides to retire. Uh, I, had, so... I had him in my mix as well, Doc. Uh, I'm glad it's to see nice. we're thinking on the same wavelength here. It, it, it would suck to see Nathan Murphy retire this early into his career, but we all know what's happening with the concussion. We know that you know, we saw Angus Brayshaw retire uh, last week, and that's you know another abrupt retirement due to multiple head knocks. And Nathan Murphy's certainly seen his fair share, not just last, not just last year alone, but throughout his career. But if that happens, I think Charlie Dean's really poised to to take it on. I think he's been on the list a couple of years now, so um, I think he's really he's really got to start sort of breaking into this side one way or another. Um, my breakout man is a guy who played 23 games last year. So I, it, it's hard to pick one, but I, I think, I think we're about to see another level of Oleg Markov's game. This year. Oh, oh, yes. he's, I like he's that. looked, he's looked really good this off season. And it just sort of, he, he, he looks leaner. He looks like he's, you know, he's almost like he's gained another, another level of his speed in the way he distributes the ball through half back, you know, only averaged 12 disposals last year and sort of a bit of an everywhere man. But I thought towards the end of last year, where we saw John Noble be the guy early in the year that sort of moved the ball out of defense. Oleg Markov was that guy and he really forced Noble out of the team and missed out in the grand final side. And I think he's going to be the one guy that's going to be the prime mover. Him and Quainel, I think are going to be the mm. prime movers heading out of that half back for um for the pies this year. So I'm 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 gonna tip Markov to average over twenty per game this year. Twenty touches. Oh, I like that. Jeez. Noble's like looked that. hungry this off season though, Doc, in this preseason. <laughs> uh so they might be fighting it out those two for a spot. Uh no, we'll... be very interesting. Craig McCaffey has forced John Noble to eat at the uh, the dumpster at the back. Uh, so <laughs> he's... Oh, the hot um, food, not for you, John. Sorry, Oleg's having the hot food. <laughs> Let's talk ladder predictions, boys. I think this one might be pretty straightforward. Uh, top four, I think, again, for Collingwood. Like we said, they're, they're looking so, so good once again. My only uh, worry, I think, Miller, is that they have to start hot out of the gates because they've got the Giants in Sydney, followed by the Swans. Brisbane in round four, and then they, they've got Port at the G uh, and Carlton as well, all in their first two months. So it's a, a very, very tough start. But if they can get through that, I think they'd be pretty happy with where they're sitting. Yeah, great call, Kat. They do have to start well. Oh, I've also got them a lock for top four. We've talked about the talent. We've talked about the experience, the knowledge. The, the, the ability still to learn, I think, is the most exciting thing about this group. They've got the perfect list blenders, Doc mentioned. And, um, yeah, I think they're primed for another huge year. So top four, um, definitely locking in. You could even almost say top two would be um, a, a, another good go as well. So, yeah, they're up there. I'm about 95% primed to say they're a top two lock. Collingwood. Bang. Um, I think top four is a hundred percent that they've got. Well, look, they've got the fourth hardest draw in the competition, but when you're winning games and when you have the mentality that they'd have had over the last two mm. years, it doesn't really mean much. I think that they've got, they've got easy. I think they've got an easy couple of wins against Hawthorne. They play them twice. Essendon's not looking too scary. I think they'll probably improve their uh, cat, but I don't think Collingwood, I don't think they're losing to Collingwood. Um, no. oh, sorry, I don't think they. I don't think they've beaten Collingwood twice or once this year. Um, 
but they also play Brisbane, Carlton, Melbourne and Sydney twice. So there's some really hard ones there, but I think they can really, again, push for 16, 17 wins this year. Yeah, interesting to see what the reigning premiers will do come 2024. Uh, other end of the spectrum, we'll move on to Richmond. Boys, <laughs> did not have a, uh, a good 20... Well, it's, it's hard to say that, actually. The second half of 2023, oh. Miller, the, the rise of mini-ball was a, a bright spark in what was a pretty poor beginning to the season. But uh, mini-ball is gone and ooze-ball is in, and I know it hasn't impressed you massively over the preseason <laughs> so far. Looks not too bad against Melbourne and absolutely capitulated uh, against Collingwood. There's some cause for concerns, I think, early for the Tigers, at least in my mind. Firstly, Kat, anyone can look good in a six-quarter, not even fake <laughs> practice game, a, a match sim, whatever that means. Um, so I didn't read much into that. And winning by two points, I mean, holy shit, we're not that good. Um, yeah, look, oh, 2024, uh, tw- sorry, 2023 was a weird season, um, 13th. Yeah, they, they didn't do a whole lot. Midi ball was inflated with pride and then deflated with the swift sort of sacking. So um, I don't know how to feel about the, this year. I think that there's so many intangibles that can happen with this group and what is um, – th- there's too many unknowns still. That's the big worry. I think Uze is very confident, which I like. I think he's got a strong coaching style and I do like that he's bringing something different. And finally, for the first time ever – you know, a fresh face means, Doc, that there's no favourites. No one spots really safe in a way unless you're Dustin Martin. Um, but I think that it's good to have, you know, competition for list spots and, you know, there's lots of guys I think that are going to be pushing around. Steely Green we've talked about, um, Jacob Bauer, Seth Campbell, Ben Miller, Sam Banks, Tyler Sonsi, Noah Cumberland. There's plenty of these young guys that will be hungry for opportunities. Tom Brand. Mantle, Thompson Dow. So, you know, can they get the chances? Can they prove to um, the new coach that they are good enough to play at the AFL level? I think that's our big question for this year. Yeah, well, this is the thing with the new coaches coming in, Miller. There's almost like a zero expectation. Um, You know, Uze's got a a list that's, you know, the top liners are really, really superb. I mean, the veterans, Dusty, Dylan Grimes, Tom Lynch, Preston, Vlosten, McIntosh, all 30. You know, they're very, very good players. They're two, three-time premiership players. Um, then you've got, you know, the next line coming through, you know, your Riolis, your Jaden Shorts, your Tim Tarantos. You know, Nank's going to miss, you know, at least the first part of the year. Um, but he's still, you know, it, you know, had, hasn't cracked 30 yet. So, and Liam Baker and Shea Bolton. So those top liners are excellent. It's just sort of finding those those next players to come through that's, uh, that's going to be the... the going to be the challenge for Uze and, and a challenge for him to get the best out of guys like a like a Jack Ross, for example, guys like Hugo Ralph-Smith and Ryan Mansell yeah. and uh, and Uncle Morris Rioli. Um, so <laughs> um, he, he's, he's got a job on his hands, that's for sure. And, and the list demographic yeah. really, you know, they're the fifth oldest uh, list in the comp and, and, and they're 10th in the comp for, in terms of experience. So does, I'm... Oh, Jesus Christ. It, <laughs> It's it's a it's a year that could really go anywhere, but I'm looking at the 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 fitness of the list, and right now I'm not liking it. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I yeah, <laughs> I, I have big worries about the the spine of this team, Miller. You know, we look at the lineup that went out against Collingwood in the 
cracky game, and obviously no Nank and no Lynch, but we don't know what Lynch is going to be like in round one or round two or whenever he comes in and Nank, like Doc said, missing. But your key forwards were Cozzy and uh, Noah Bolter. Uh, we saw Tyler Young even swing through there at one point, which is very interesting. <laughs> your key backs are Tyler Young and Josh Gibkiss. Naismith in the ruck, and then we saw Samson Ryan and Ben Miller on the bench. I mean, that just doesn't inspire a lot of confidence <laughs> in me right now. I mean, Samson Ryan on the bench will inspire Alex oh. Miller because uh, hates him. And what with, yeah. while these guys have been good individually together, I just don't think that's a recipe for success at all. No, that uh, that's you hit the nail on the head, Cat. What is the blend? What is the blend going forward? I, I think. Kaczynski presented well last night and, and Bolter is almost learning a new position. I think that it's going to be a challenge. I think that he's obviously best as a forward, but a full full, a full a season as a forward is the key there. It's going to be a big learning curve, particularly if Lynch is to miss his fair length of time. So Tom Lynch and, and Nank are the keys because they're two guys that are stable, they're consistent. Tom Lynch is an, you know, an All-Australian for a reason, high-quality player, um, yeah, top five in the Coleman for multiple years for a reason. And and Nan Curvis is the captain for, for a reason as well. And I suppose a, a big shining light was to see Josh Gibkiss back fit, boys. Um, he was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm really, really excited to see what this young man can do. Put on a bit of muscle and um, I think he's a bright spark. But, yeah, I, you hit the nail on the head, Doc. I think that middle crop of players, you know, who is the next? Is Jack Graham going to get off his backside and actually do something this year. Are we going to see well, Camden McIntosh not, not for the go? first six weeks. For, for, <laughs> yeah, for no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be yeah. on his ass for the first six weeks. Well, that's fair enough. Are we going to see Jacob Hopper be consistent from week to week instead of once in every four? You know, are, are we going to be able to see, um, you know, Ralph Smith get a clean run of games? Are we going to be able to see Liam Baker in the same position for more than two weeks in a row? You know, these are all questions that I've got going into this year and, to be part of the stability cap because at the moment there's just a lot of unknown, which is good in a way um, for freshening yeah. up, but it's still, as a fan, it's a little bit um, worrying, <laughs> to put it you know politely, I think. It is it, it just, it's, it's, it's good it, for the young boys though, Doc, which is what I'm excited to see from Richmond this year. Yeah, and just to sort of ram the point a little bit home about Miller's uh, take on, on the guys like Short and Hopper, but... They, 16 games for short, 16 games for Hopper, 15 for Nank. I mean, you, you need those guys to play 20-plus uh, yeah, for, yeah. for them to get, and they need to be fit and healthy. You know, Tom Lynch only played four games, and they they really struggled to find a, a key forward sort of to help Jack, and Jack's not there anymore. So, you know, how are they going to function with Cozzy now and, and Bolter, as you said? I like Bolter as a forward. I think he's got a great sort of athletic profile. He can really be something. Um, but, yeah, he's just got to sort of put it all together and he's got to have good coaching staff behind him to help him because, you know, he could, he could either be a, a huge a huge tick for your club or a massive flop. Uh, there's yeah. no sort of in-between. Um, but, yeah, just sort of I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about guys, these sort, these sort of guys, they just need to – I just don't think there's a, there's a, there's – it's going to be a good year. I mean, mm. when Tom Lynch comes back from that foot foot injury, you know how fit will he really be? You know, yeah. Jack Graham's he's, going he's to not miss going to be coming out of the out of the gate playing one hundred percent game time. That's for sure. Jack no. Graham's going to miss the first four or five games. He'll probably probably miss more. 
Uh, Dylan Grimes is a test, so he's already under the uh, under the under the injury cloud. And Dion Prestia, it goes without saying, he played twenty games last year, which was great, but now he's but he's already behind the eight ball with these chronic hamstring issues. So yeah, um, I just sort of. I just don't really know where where Richmond are going to head. There's going to be a lot of expectation on the on the uh, the guys who have played 30, 40, 50 games and even and even less to stand yeah. up and 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 take stock of what Richmond footy is all about this year. What oozeball's really all about? <laughs> it's good. It's good responsibility for them, I think, at least to to step up and see what what some of these guys are made of because they haven't had the chance in um, the past couple of seasons with. Obviously, a very uh, talent-heavy squad, winning flags that you don't change much if it's not broken. So uh, we'll get to see who's going to be the keepers and, and who's going to be moved on. I think across all of this season. But uh, of all the questions, Miller, what is the burning question for this Tigers team in twenty twenty four? Well, it's one that's kept me up at night as a Richmond fan, and I really want to get the perspective of both of you boys as, as non-biased fellows. <laughs> he's not Wes Dimmer. I know where he is. He's sitting in the other coach's box, the cheeky bastard. But what is the pass mark for Richmond going into 2024, Doc? Where where do you see it as a success in terms of, you know, team development wins? What do you what do you see as a pass mark for us? What is the tick? Well, that's the thing. With, well, that's what I've reiterated to before with the first-time coaches, especially like Uze, you know, is there's no real set expectation. Uh, I, I don't think – I think there's going to be a lot of external noise that Richmond won't play finals. A lot of people have already started talking bottom four. Um, I don't – look, I just want to see – I just want to see him settle with a side this first year. It's a little bit yeah. like Dimmer with the Suns. I just want to see him settle with a side, pick his guys that – he thinks they're going to take them to the next level in 2025 and 26. You know, we see, we, we've seen plenty of promise in, in guys like, like Sam Banks and Tom Brown at VFL level. And, you know, Judd, Juddy Clark, these sort of guys and Gibkiss, if he can get a full year, a full and fit year, yep. that's what, I think that's what Adam Uzo is going to look forward to next year and beyond because, yep. They, re- they really are the guys that are going to take them to the next level. You know, Dusty's not going to be around forever. Neither is Grimes uh, or, or Prestia or Lynch. You know, they're all 30 and almost battling father time already with their injuries. So mm-hmm. um, it's just sort of getting continuity with those younger younger boys is what I want to see this year. And, yeah, just get just get uh, and hopefully not see Mullen Pickett on the list next year either. <laughs> 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 See you later, Marlon. Uh, look, I think I think this season could go as poorly as bottom four for Richmond, um, <laughs> given that I, 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 Miller, I'm just not. Yeah, I'm no, not it's good. No, I'm not convinced. I, like when I look at this team. Um, so for me, a pass mark for Richmond is escaping the bottom four. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a uh, Adam Kingsley type year for the Tigers. I don't think it's going to be a new coach comes in and suddenly this squad has bounced back. I think. <laughs> Mini had something special going for a little while there, but I don't think it's going to be uh, something that'll last all the way into this year. And as good as we might see Dusty return and, and play a full season, you know, I don't think it's enough to bring this team back. Tom Lynch would have to become a Coleman contender again to save this forward line, the state it's in, in right now. In 10 games, it'd be pretty impressive, wouldn't it, Cat, if he could win it in 10 games? <laughs> it would be very Fuck impressive. Me. Um, everything I said about Geelong in the last episode, but even more desperately, I think for Richmond, uh, we need to see these young boys coming through and who's going to be part of it. Um, the, the, 
the midfield I think has got uh, is in decently good shape. We're, we've got guys who are in their prime like Torino and Hopper in there and Dion Prestia could still be a very good player if he can stay fit for a whole season. Um, obviously the young guys coming through there are looking the goods as well. But between that, I think forward and back, I'm pretty worried at the moment for Richmond. So um, I yeah, I, I think the pass mark is eight, nine wins. They've got to be to escape the bottom four for me. And uh, But I'm struggling to see a world where that <laughs> doesn't happen right now, Miller, unfortunately. <laughs> that's all right. No, that's fair enough. That's that's look, that's look, life, isn't it? Um, the other burning question <laughs> I would have had is who the fuck's your kicker goal for us? But um, we, we no one can answer <laughs> that. So we'll, we'll move on from there and uh, go that, to that's our... That's in Shash kick a few, you'd hope. Uh, yeah, well, them and um, the Invisible Man, I think, will be you know, producing the production uh, of what we've experienced. But, you know, players, you know, breakout stars, these are the ones I want to hear. I, I'm going with Thompson Dow, boys, I think. I'm yes, very high on this young man. You boys both know it. I love him. He's 22. Um, you know, taking back pick 21 back in 2019. Only played the 17 games. So he's got lots and lots and lots of upside. Um, and I think we saw last night with consistent midfield minutes. Um, bit of a situation, as, as Doc mentioned, in the, in the last team with, with Taylor Adams moving on, with Trent Cotchin retiring. I think it opens the door for Dow to really, you know, spring into that role. And He's a great player. I really love the way he goes about it, much better than his bro- brother, who's a dud. So, um, yeah, he, he's my big breakout star for, for 2024 is uh, Young yeah. Thompson. Yeah, that's a really good shout, Miller. I think it's. I think he's probably the consensus among the AFL uh, world at the moment. And with the game, he played really well against Collingwood, I must say, and he showed really well, showed really good signs in the, uh, the scratchy against Melbourne as well. Um, oh, geez, just to give you an aneurysm, I would have loved to have said Samson Ryan, but we all know he stinks, so we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. Um, I will go down this rabbit hole, though, with Steely Green, boys. I, yes. I think um, has, hasn't played a game yet, but there's a lot of people that are ra- raving about you know, what he's going to bring to the table, and I think there's still a bit of a logjam in spots. You know, I don't think there's an unfulfilled – I don't think there's a fulfilled spot at small forward for – for Richmond this year. I mean, we know Shea's a good sort of high half forward type, but he's going to play midfield minutes. You know, I like a guy like Steely Green who has shown a lot of moxie over the last couple of weeks. You know, he's tough. He's in and under. He's yeah. not afraid. He's not afraid to get his hands dirty and create pressure forward. And I think he's going to play a lot of games this year. You know, I think he'll play at least, uh, let's say 15, 16 uh, at, at the bare minimum. Sure, um, I hope so. He's the sort of he's the sort of bloke they need, you know, a bit of a spark operator. You know, they're they're the ones that really get up and up and about. You know, almost in a sense like Bobby Hill. You know, I know he's not. I know I know Steely doesn't have the athleticism or, you know, the IQ like 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 Ian does. But I think he's certainly got the uh, the speed, the the toughness to really add something to your forward line. Yep, I, I love that call, Doc. We certainly need it as well. <laughs> very, very true. Oh, look, I might go the boring answer, uh, considering you boys took the two players I was most interested in hyping <laughs> up for breakouts. But uh, Josh Gibkiss, I mean, yes. his return is going to be so, so well awaited, I think, this season, Miller. And um, there's a huge gap to fill in the back line right now with, uh, I mean, obviously, Broad and Grimes are there adding a bit of leadership. And we know Jaden Short is very consistent as well. But um, I think you really want to get moving on who's going to be the next big key defender. And we know it's going to be Gibkiss. This kid's got all the makings. Um, looked very good in that first half against Melbourne. Kind of dropped off. Didn't have as much to do 
um, afterwards, and I don't think played much time on the ground. But um, I think he's he's due for for a breakout, um, and he's going to be uh, well and truly on his way to it to becoming a star in twenty twenty four. Go well, young Gibby. Uh, <laughs> ladder predictions, boys. Mm. Uh, I mean. I, I want to say I'm going out the limit. I'm <laughs> saying bottom four. I'm saying bottom four, boys. It's I, I'm, I'm sorry, Miller. I know I said it a bunch already, but I just I'm not high on what this list is looking like right now. I think it's going to be a pretty big year of pain this season for the Tigers, but I don't think it'll take too long. There's lots of talent here. Uzel's figure out who he wants to take forward with this team this season, and um, we'll see a better Richmond in 2025. But this year. It's all pain for the for the future game. <laughs> Hurrah! Um, oh. look, I've got us finishing. Yeah, look, I feel I feel like I mean probably biasly. The sky's the limit in some respects. Doc, we could do anything. We could be anyone. Uh, a lot like Geelong, but look, realistically, probably fourteenth to twelfth sort of bracket. I mean. I'm just worried about who's going to kick a score for us. That's that's my main concern more than anything. So. Um, yeah, I've got us. Let's go split the middle. Let's go 13th. We'll see. I'll be happy with that. <laughs> I think, look, someone's got to be bottom four, don't they, Miller? And, I, and, I, and I'm struggling to see Richmond getting out of it this year. I think they're already behind the eight ball in terms of the injuries, specifically to their key players. Hmm. Um, they've got the sixth easiest, sixth easiest draw this year. So Carlton twice, Frio, Gold Coast, Hawthorne, Port Adelaide, and St Kilda. It's only so, easy if you can beat any of those teams is the probably uh, the issue I've got. Um. <laughs> you, could pro- you could probably beat Frio, uh, at least at home. Uh, the oh, Suns, oh, yeah. oh, look, maybe you're not beating the Suns. Um, opening round, <laughs> opening round grudge match is going to be interesting. I'm just going to spit it'll... on the carcass. I actually look. Given look, despite the fact that your, your history against the Suns have been completely putrid, I think you're a genuine chance to knock them off uh, and oh. really stick it to Dimmer, um, <laughs> and and possibly and possibly the Saints. You know, if they if they've got them late in the year, because Cuddly Ross will probably run the kids ragged. <laughs> um, but I, I genuinely think you guys aren't getting out of the. At at best, you're not breaking bottom six. Um, they'll, they'll, I think they. I think they'll probably be between fifteenth and thirteenth. The truth hurts. The truth hurts. Well, look, it's a rough initiation for mini ball. The the veterans are already ailing. Um, <laughs> yeah, ooze ball. Get the kids down. <laughs> get the else kickers down for ooze ball, please. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how this year goes. We'll see how it goes indeed. But um, yeah, 2024 will be the year of uh, make or break, I think, for a lot of these players, as Kat said before, really. It's a good chance to cull some of the deadwood um, and start fresh with a sort of young, vibrant core. So if Anamuse, as you say, can get pass out of these young guys, get that continuity, that's the pass mark for us, whether it's bottom four or not. So fingers crossed for that. Yeah. The next season preview we have got is Carlton. A big season for them last year. Miller obviously started pretty uh, wobbly and the Sack Bossy tour was well and truly on on the podcast, but they righted the ship second half, finished fifth, made it all the way to the prelim. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what they can do this year. I'll tell you what, Cat, I felt good about my prediction pre-season about Bossy being sacked and... 
we were looking at the middle of the year thinking, oh, Miller, he might have pulled something out of his rear end. But the only thing I pulled out of my rear end was a massive L. Um, I mean, it was quite incredible to sort of see Carlton's season progress. That They came a long way in a, in a length of time where, you know, they were 15th at one point. They were sitting five and eight, and we thought this is it. Moss is done. This has been a mess up. But the second half of the year, Doc, they played some inspired football, uh, a different brand, a different sort of level of conf- confidence we saw from Carlton and, and finished the season strong, as Kat said. And they showed that, you know, their first sort of taste of September, that they did a bit of damage. Um, and they, I think they would have taken lots of learnings out of all the games, not just the wins and the losses, but I think the, the mentality to be in those experiences from situation to game to game is what I think Carlton will benefit massively for, from last year. Yeah, well, I think roller coaster would be the way to describe Carlton's uh, 2023. I mean, went through the first month without a loss, which was a big plus. Everyone was up and about. And then they lost, uh, I think it was eight of the last, uh, eight of the next nine from round five onwards. Uh, and then that was when we got to see some of the gold from all the Carlton supporters who threatened to burn their microwaves uh, or not turn up or throw their remote at the TV. Uh, and then all of a sudden, just things clicked mid-season, winning nine games in a mm-hmm. row. And then, you know, obviously the, the the big golden run in the in the finals up to the prelim. And even then, you know, got off to that big start there where they got up to, I think it was a four-goal, five-goal jump So on, on the Lions. So, yeah, it, it, a really interesting year because we saw both the best and the worst of Carlton. And I'm still sort of trying to scratch my head, figuring out – where Carlton mm. are really at. I mean, mm. obviously winning form is good form and they've won, I think it was 12 of the 11 or 12 of the last 13 games. So I think they're going to be, they, they'll, they'll probably give themselves up for a massive year. And I think they've got the list to do it. I've always sort of been a believer in the list. Um, uh, and it's just sort of all about, you know, belief and confidence uh, heading into 2024. Yeah, yeah. Spot on, Doc. Yep. Um, I, I mean, I've still got things that I want to see Carlton improve on this year. Miller, obviously, making it to the prelim was really, really good. Um, and their run to get there was great. But I think defensively, they're quite set. I think they're very, very sound down in the back line and it looked very good for most of the year um, once they got rolling again down there. Midfield, I'm a little bit worried about Sam Walsh once again with these niggling back injuries in the preseason just keep popping up for him. Mm. Um, I think it's something he's going to be carrying through most of his career, but that leaves a question mark for me there when we, we've seen a guy like Matt Kendi fall a bit out of favour, whether he comes back into the side early part of the year. And then forward as well, where can they get the best output from Harry Mackay? Because obviously Charlie Curnow had a massive season last year, double Coleman's for him, uh, very, very well done. But can they get the boat, the best out of both of them? And from what I've seen of Mackay in the practice games, his goal kicking hasn't improved, so it's going to be an uphill battle for him still. <laughs> It's been interesting, Caddy. He's been playing a bit more up the ground. They've liked him as the second ruck, particularly with you know Silvani going down for for all of this year, which is a big blow because I think he was playing some good footy um, in the back end of last year, and sort of Carlton fans stopped abusing him and realised that he he's actually got a bit of talent about him. And I think that yeah, what Mackay's role will be interesting because we know what we're going to get from Kerr now. You know, he's one of the best forwards in the comp, if not the best, best key forward easily. Um, Back running common medalist going back to back. Um, so yeah, I think Carlton's real thing will be, as you mentioned, Cap with Walsh. I, I think 
Vossi's big thing is he's got to figure out what is the best midfield group. There's no doubt Carlton have a really good, talented midfield, but what is the best blend? You know, can can Hewitt be in there? We saw him playing as a sub late in the season, which I, I don't think is the right role for him because he he's definitely best 22. He's a great two-way player, George Hewitt. Had, had a bit of a rough patch in the middle of the year with injury in form, but he's good. Obviously, we know what Paddy Cripps can do, um, and he'll he'll love what he got from out of the finals experiences last year. And I think they'll just be across all the line stock is that they've got that knowledge now that this is what you need to get to this level and we need to be above that to take the next step because, um, you know, we, we saw them come up against an elite Brisbane team, which obviously gave it to Collingwood as best they could in the grand final. So Carlton have shown that they can compete at the highest level against the best. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll look at the Carlton list uh, and the dynamics are interesting. They're the sixth oldest list in the competition and but 14th in the in the league for experience uh per ga- uh, games per player so they're very it's a it's a very weird little setup that they've got there and <laughs> i'm looking and you mentioned you mentioned mckay and you mentioned kerno and you know what despite the fact that uh, mckay had a couple of shoddy little kicks he still kicked three and took and took a whole bunch of contested grabs which i think is what a lot of blues fans will want um you know, whether or not he can return to the Coleman medalist uh, from a few years ago will remain to be seen. Um, but uh, I think my my issue with Carlton, though, is their forward line. You know, if those two don't fire, who yeah. does fire? You know, yeah. Owies and Motlop kicked 27 and 24 goals, respectively, and, and Martin only played 13 games for 17 goals. Looked dangerous when he did play, but still very injury-prone. So... Hmm. I think it's. I think there's a lot more expectation on their small forwards. I think they looked a little bit more settled towards the second half of the year with yep. Owies and Motlop, but I think they need to find some some other pieces to to just solidify that forward line for mine. And obviously, the the injury to Weedering as well uh, in you know at the start of the year does not help because he <laughs> is almost like an anchor in in a respect, and, mm. and it sort of sort of means that there's going to have to be a lot more impetus on guys like Lewis Young to to lift this year when he really has struggled to take on, you know, the number one role uh, in, in defence. And, you know, guys like Sam Durden's going to have to come in and play some games that Brody Kemp might have to, to play a little bit above his weight limit as well. So they're just guys there that oh, it, it's a little, it's a little bit concerning in terms of their depth uh, at either end, but their midfield is, you know, still looking, you know, with or without Walsh in the early goings, it's still looking yeah. pretty good. I mean, Chera had a career best year. Mm. Cripps looking, Cripps has, you know, been Cripps for for a long, long time, and you know, uh, as well, Sam Doherty's starting to push in there a little bit. You know what you're going to get from George Hewitt, and you know what you're going to get from, you know, a, a guy like Matthew Kennedy who who likes to dig in when he when he gets his opportunity. So, I don't doubt the midfield. I don't doubt the the ruck. I think they look set on deconing as the number one ruck and and our friend the academia sort of <laughs> pinching in when when need be but yeah it's just the, it's just the depth at either end that concerns yeah, me at yeah. the moment. That's, that's probably where that's deconing fair. needs to step up when he is resting forward as well in in the forward line if the goals aren't coming from the big guys um he's got to be jumping high and taking those marks like we saw he could do uh, at the end of last year so i think he's one that's got a step to take uh young ashton moyer as well i think could come in pretty quickly and add something to that forward group. Just for the love of God, uh, Bossy, do not even think about playing Mitch McGovern as a forward. That is not happening. That experiment has well and truly failed. Uh, <laughs> do not do it again. I guess that leads into a bit of the burning question for me for Carlton this year, boys, is 
We saw 2022, the first half of the season was really strong and then they dropped off in this finals. Last year, back end of the season, that incredible run. For me, Miller, I've got to wonder whether they can finally piece it together and have a whole consistent year of pushing for... I Mm. think, from what we've seen with their best footy the past few seasons, Carlton can push for a top four spot, but they need to play to that level across a full season, which they haven't done yet under Voss. So that's the next big challenge and what I really want to see from them. Consistency from round one through to round 24. It's a great question, Kat. You know, can they get it out of this group? And I'm very split on it still. I think, as you said, their best footy is elite. They're one of, you know, the hardest teams to play against when they get on the roll. They're an offensive juggernaut. They're hard to score against when they're all moving. And their clearance work is probably some of the best, you know, in the league, if I can get it all going together. So that's that's a great point. You know, can they get it together? I, I think yes and no. I, I think the big thing will be can the leaders, you know, elevate these younger guys to another level? How much can they get out of Motlop? I know he's this year, as Doc mentioned earlier. You know, how much can Chincotta kick on a bit more? Brody Kemp, is he going to take another big step? Because we know what the established guys will do and bring every week, but can they get more out of the, the mid-tier group? And I think it'll be as simple as that, and I hope they can mm. for, for Carlton's fans' sakes to give them something to cheer about um, because, yeah, look, I think that the list is talented enough across multiple lines that they can compete at the highest level. Doc, it's just if they do it more than once a month. Yeah, that's it. I think a lot rests on their younger brigade uh, coming through. I mean, we saw lots of good signs out of Ollie Hollands uh, last year oh. as their as their prized draft picker. Uh, we know his, his brother's just come across as well from the Suns. He's, got, he's still got to serve a, a two-match suspension, so he won't play right away. But he he was a top draft pick from, from a few years ago. Um, you know, guys like Lockie Cowan, can he kick on as well? Ashton Moyer looked like a nice little prospect in the preseason. Um, he might he might get some games. Lots of raps on Billy Wilson as well, despite the fact that nobody knew who he was like three <laughs> months ago. Um, and 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 as well, just making sure guys like David Cunningham, Matt Cottrell, Lockie Fogarty, all those guys who played pivotal roles in that back half of the year last year, continue on that form. Because yep. we know what we because we know like you said, Miller, we know what we're gonna get from guys like from guys like Saad and Cripps and Doherty and 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 Blake Akers, who also came along well uh, in the back half of the year. Uh it's just sort of getting that that next level to, to come through. And you know, we know Jack Silvani's not gonna be there this year. He has got an ACL injury. How are they gonna cover it? Are they gonna have Deconing playing more forward again, or is he gonna play primary as a ruck? I think the where is he, he's going to play as a ruck, but um, who's going to step in as that sort of hybrid? Well, third like tool? I said, not Mitch McGovern. <laughs> Definitely not Mitch McGovern. That's where I think <laughs> Moya comes in, boys, and maybe spoiling a little early. I think that just quietly, from what I've seen of him, uh, played the first cracky game, didn't play uh, the second one against Melbourne, but kicked a few snags and looked good um, as that medium sort of type. So uh, he'll be the one that I'll be looking at as the breakout star for this year. I think if he can cement a spot in the forward line, uh, Miller. He's well and truly on the way to helping yeah. them along um, what they need to do. But uh, just before we get to your boys' breakout stars, it's those guys as well repeating those efforts from last year too. Doc Akers needs to have a similar sort of year, I think. Matty Cottrell's the same thing. His second half of the year was outstanding. Uh, Nick Newman had an all-time season last year for his career as well. Uh, those are the guys that need to do the same thing again this year or it's going to be... Uh, probably a bit more difficult for Carlton to, to run out wins. But um, I'll throw it over to you, Millis, so I've given my breakout star already. Who is your breakout star for this season for Carlton? 
I'm linked to a guy who uh, is an A3 favourite. We've loved the way he's gone about his footy. Um, played 17 games last year and showed how good he is at, at the top level, and it's Brody Kemp, boys. Um, still got a massive amount of upside. Such a great rangey operator. 192, you know, he's um, got a lot of versatility about him, can play one-on-one, can kick the ball well, has got a bit of verticality, a lover, a lover too, about him. And I think that that's a real asset that he can use in those one-on-ones. And... You know, he's only played the 23 games, um, a lot of them coming last year, as I said, the 17 of them. So, you know, he was a top top 20 pick back in 2019, and he's proven that he is good enough to be, be AFL level. And I think that without weathering, he'll, he'll have an opportunity to shine even more individually, hopefully, in the spotlight, because he goes under the radar a bit, boys, I reckon. So he's my, he's my breakout staff this year. Yeah, very nice, Miller. Very nice. I... Uh... Hard to pick a one. Hard to pick one, really, because all the ones that I'm thinking of are probably low-hanging fruit guys that you expect will continue on from last year. You know, guys like Cottrell, for example. I think he's gonna he's gonna have a good year, um, and I think uh, you know Ollie Hollands can only get better uh, in his second in his second year as well. But a guy that I think has flown under the radar. He played a few games late last year. I think he played in the final as well against Brisbane. But Jordan Boyd, boys, I think he looked quite settled in the games across the half back line. Um, you know, but playing as a bit of a sort of a hybrid sort of mid-sized defender can play tall, can play, can play small, can also move the ball out if he needs to. And you know, he's had a bit, he's had a bit of a rough run because he did get uh, rubbed out uh, by the match review officer for mm. uh, a tackle that really should have been a free. I think it was a free kick in the end of it. But um, you know, sixteen games I think he has played in the last two years. I think he's, I think he's, he's well overdue for a, a, a little little uh, breakout uh, season mm. looked looked quite good when he did have the ball in his hands against uh, against Melbourne. He had 11 kicks at 91% efficiency and about juicy. 381 meters gained. So if you put the ball in his hands a little bit more, I think he's going to be, uh, he's going to be one of the more reliable ball users heading out of the defensive 50. Good call. Doc. Like Very good. good Let's call. talk finishing positions as well for the blues boys. Uh, these, this is a team that I have a bit of a, uh, a big range, I think. Uh, I can see Carlton finishing top four, but in the same stretch, I can see them barely missing finals. At the moment, I'm leaning towards on the higher end. The weathering injury doesn't help, I think. Um, and Silvani, as much as he has been maligned, is, was a key cog of the, the forward group and helped it function pretty well. So, uh, look, at the moment, I'm, I'm leaning towards about a fifth or sixth, similar to last season. I think they'll make finals again. Um, and I wouldn't put past them to go on a strong run, but I need to see Walsh and Wiedering uh, stay nice and fit once they get back from their injuries, Miller, to be really convinced on the top four credential for Carlton this year. Yeah, I agree. Cat fitness is key. Um, I think as you, you hit the nail on the head, can Wiedering come back and have that sort of a lead impact that we know he can? It's going to be tough. Um, I've got them in yeah, sort of the fifth to ninth sort of bracket. I think anywhere between those spots, they could just, as you said, sneak out of the eight and miss out. But I think they're good enough to make the eight. But I don't know about top four. I think there's a lot of – you've already got Brisbane and, and Collingwood in there automatically, you'd say. A lot of teams – a lot of people still saying Melbourne will be up there again. Uh, we saw how good they were, in, albeit in the pracky run last night. And – it's going to be plenty of teams that could poke their head in for top four. Um, so, can't know a sniff of it, but I've still got them sort of, yeah, in the eight, but maybe not in the top four. So, we'll see how they go. Yeah, they're interesting, aren't they, Carlton? Um, I think they'll play finals. 
I, I don't know where they'll finish though, but I, I, I'd like to think they're in the bottom half of the eight for mine. Uh, very Fox footy has them ranked the eighth hardest uh, draw in the, in the comp, but who they play twice is interesting because they've got Collingwood, Geelong, GWS, North Melbourne, Port Adelaide and Richmond. So maybe you suspect they'll beat North twice. They'll probably beat Richmond twice. Um, probably get wins against Port and, and GWS at home, maybe. Mm. And, and, and depending on where Geelong really sit, uh, I think they'll probably, they could probably get one at, at, at the very worst. Um, but yeah, interesting, interesting start to the season. Cause they've got Brisbane away in the opening round. Then Richmond is part of the official opening <laughs> Thursday night game. We're not counting anything. Man zero does. Um, then North Melbourne and Frio and, North Melbourne away, Frio away, and then Adelaide at Marvel Stadium. So, yeah, that's a interesting one. I think they will. I just think they'll play finals. But it doesn't matter what where. I think they know where they sit after after last year. I think they know their best football is capable of matching the best. They just mm. need to be you know confident in what they do and sort of ride the wave. I mean, they're not going to have Walsh or, or Weedering, I think, uh, in the early going, so they just need to find yeah. a way to sort of cover the losses and uh, and, and soldier on. Soldier on, indeed, for Carlton. Uh, speaking of teams that need to bloody soldier on, Doc, uh, let's move on to Melbourne because, geez, has anyone had a more... Oh, <laughs> soldier <more> on. <laughs> like, off-season, probably in recent history, I can't remember now a team having a worse off-season than Melbourne has had. Me and Mel spoke a bit about it on the bonus episode last week, but I don't think it needs to go, you know, needs to go said really anymore. Clayton Oliver, the Joel Smith, the rumours that were circulating around Simon Goodwin's job just across the weekend. It can't possibly get worse for Melbourne, can it? First of all, Kat, can I can I just say I I can respect the fact that Melbourne are trying to cover their tracks and say you know there's not a culture issue, but if you think there's not a culture issue, you're you are an absolute oh. fool. I, I I think I think there's there's so many problems at, at at Melbourne, and it just sort of I don't know where it's I don't know what the problem is. Like I don't know where the problem lies with. Like I I don't know if it's a if it's a Simon Goodwin problem. I don't know if it's sort of a, just an overall player problem. Simon Good, it should it should really stop with Simon Goodwin and 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 I and I feel like he's not really delivering a response or he's not delivering anything like no, you know he couldn't whole, deliver milk whole, at the moment he's crap. The whole Clayton Oliver situation has just been messy, and I think the way that they've handled it has been messy. And you know I appreciate Max Gorn coming out and trying to say his piece, but and we saw his performance you know on the weekend. He's really he's really looking like he's going to be a player to watch this year. Um, but like, I don't really feel like any of the other senior heads, both either on field or off field, uh, standing up and pulling their heads in. I mean, Stephen May, what's he doing? Like he's, he's been a, he's been a perpetual sort of pest, uh, both on field and off field over the last couple of years. I mean, you know, we've seen Jake Lever sort of carry on like a, like a little child at times, uh, last year, you know, um. Cosy Pickett, you know, mm. off on field, you know, I think he conducts him. Uh, you might conduct himself well off field, but on field, he's you know, he just comes off as a as a sniper. You know, he comes off as a grub. Um, yeah. I, I think firstly, of, oh, go on, though. So I was just going to say, and, and a lot of people criticise Bailey Fritch for being selfish. I must say, I think it's a bit convoluted because you need guys like him mm. to kick your goals. 
particularly with a forward line like Melbourne that's currently broken. You can't fix it. Um, oh, God. Well, but, but there's yeah. just there's just so much that's gone wrong. There's so much off field that's gone wrong. Obviously, the news about Joel Smith's not gonna not gonna do anyone any favors, uh, except for maybe those that love a good sledge uh, in, in the opposition <laughs> change rooms. Um, but yeah, it, I just that this whole off season stinks for Melbourne, and you know it's good that they came out and they had a good response in the in the in the preseason game, but. Their senior heads have got to stand up and say, this is enough. I mean, we're, we're putting the foot down and we're being serious. Yeah, I think a lot of it's probably been kept hush-hush from the backroom staff. They're probably saying to the players, don't say too much, you know, say as least amount as you can. And obviously you have to have your leaders, Petrarca and um, Gorn. They're obviously going to get asked questions about Oliver. And I think it was bad enough when that came to light, Cap. And I think that Joel Smith's, timing i mean it's never good when something like that breaks but just sort of compiled into what was already uh, mm. the avalanche that was the off season and um you know i think you've seen alan richardson do a lot of the speaking recently which is very interesting on the club's behalf you haven't had much of goodwin saying anything um but i think the issue is there is something with the culture yeah. for sure there is something yeah, that's not right. But I, I, I think if you look at performance-wise, that's going to be the real sort of tipping point. Is it going to affect their yeah. on-field play? And that, that's what we don't know. Well, that's, it. that's almost one of my expectations for Melbourne is just sort of seeing how they keep it together and they, they need to keep it together on-field. I mean, <laughs> um, look, we saw players stand yeah. up like we said in the practice game against Carlton and um, there's senior heads that are looking good. Maxi Gorn, as we mentioned, um, Jack Viney's looked very strong over the couple of preseason games as well, which is as to be expected. He had a brilliant season last year. Tracks are looking the goods too. Um, but whether they can carry that through, there's obviously going to be so much more pressure in starting from game one all the way through to the end of the season. So they've got to keep it together um, as a playing group. And that's not even to mention, Doc, that they've still got to find a a real forward focal point. Van Ruyen's obviously going to be the guy in the future, but he's not the guy right now. And um, that'll be something I'm looking out for as well, is what they do with this forward line this year. Is it going to be enough with what Fritch is providing? We saw Shaki in both practice games playing as a forward as well. It might be a move this year. I don't know. <laughs> well, without well, without Goody's mate Joel Smith in there, uh, he's probably, he's probably going to have no choice but to play him this time. Um, but, but look, uh, look. I suppose that was it. Sort of does lead into that burning question that I have uh, about mm. the forward line structure, and we'll get your thoughts on it, Miller, just in a little, just in a little second there. But just to quickly rattle off Melbourne's, you know, list demographic. They're the third oldest uh, list in the comp, and this is with the, this is with Angus Brayshaw in the side. My, uh, my bad. So, and uh, third in the comp in terms of experience. So, I suppose yeah, the burning question is is about the forward line, Miller, and. The fact is that they were the sixth highest scoring team in the, in the AFL last year in the in the home and away especially, um, but you know fifty three points in the qualifying final against Collingwood, seventy one against Carlton, albeit they kicked nine goals seventeen. It is still clear. It's still clear that particularly in those big games that uh, the forward line system just goes missing. So, like, what what is the solution to that? Is, is what I want to know. I mean, it's it's obvious Van Royen's going to be there long-term and you suspect he'll play more games. You're not moving Fritch out of that team. You'll probably need someone like a Tom McDonald or, or a Josh Shackey 
I think McDonald over Shaki 100% if fit. Uh, mm. Otherwise, get Shaki in there because, you know, he's consistent. You know, for, for all his flaws, he's consistent, barely gets injured. Yeah. Probably a good reason Con- why. Consistently but, shit, um, but, you know, yeah, at least at least it <laughs> cons- consistently <laughs> soft. Uh, I think Cat is what is what uh, everyone at everyone at Footscray used to uh, call him. But yeah, what what is the solution to their to their forward line struggles, Miller? Look, uh, I think it's as simple as you sort of touched on it. Doc is structure more than anything. I think throwing personnel around every four weeks is not the answer. Harrison Petty is not the answer. The the second coming of Jesus Christ, the way they talk about him, but he. Um, Look, I still th- I'm very adamant that Melbourne should have traded Petty in the off season. They got a really strong offer from the Crows, which was two first rounders, and um, Melbourne said no. And I-, I think you'll probably even piss off in free OC anyway. But that's a discussion for another day. And I, I think yeah, look, Fritch is he's the leader down there. I think that he's really consistent, kicks goals, renowned finisher, doesn't give him off unless he needs to. So. That's what you need from a forward. And you want to see Pickett hit the scoreboard more consistently. We want to see Neil Bullen um, hit the scoreboard consistently. Spargo as well. You know, is he part of their plans? They've got some other great young guys coming through. And just getting the right blend. I still think, Kat, that Ben Brand, when fit, is the most important player structurally to Melbourne's forward line because, um, yes, I know being fit is hard for him, particularly with his knees turned into jello shots recently. But, um Matthew Jefferson's the guy they're high on. We, we want to see him hopefully maybe get a couple of games and Doc mentioned Van Ruin. But, yeah, they just need a bit more structure, I think, and stability forward of the yeah. ball. Yeah, well, we criticised Simon Goodman massively at the end of last year for suddenly changing up this forward line when he had something that was resembling something working, even without Petty in there. <laughs> um, so that consistency is going to be important for them, I think, this year. Um, in that forward group, and that's what'll what'll save it. Whether it is he's got to decide: is it McDonald? Is it Shaky? Is it one of these young guys that's going to lift? Uh, Neil Bill yeah. Neil Bill looks like he might almost be playing a half forward wing type role this year. So I don't know that he's going to be hitting the scoreboard too much. He's racking up touches. I was looking good doing it. Um, the man loves a tackle too, which I think good, he can yeah. play an important role. But um, Tommy Sparrow we saw as well had a nice little bag of three um, against the Blues. So. I think they've got players that can hit the scoreboard. It's just going to be them as a group maintaining the same group up forward for a whole season. Uh, and, you know, that's going to make the difference for Melbourne to, to answer your burning question, Doc. But there's there's a lot that really has to go right for them this year. And, um, I mean, how much Clary plays across the, the beginning of the season, we don't know <laughs> still as well, Doc. Like, um, he hasn't played any of the cracky games. He's been playing with Casey. Um, so that's a huge question mark too, I think, on, on Melbourne. And that'll change a lot, especially with the start of this season. The Swans away, Port and Adelaide in Adelaide back-to-back, Brisbane at the G. Um, they've got some important games, and if they're missing a couple of big names, uh, it's going to be very tough, very, very tough early doors. Yeah. I just want to also add, the goal kickers last year for Melbourne, you know, Bailey Fritch with 38, Cozzy with 37, but also Petrarca with 28, Van Royen 28, uh, Kate Chandler, our favourite little square head friend with uh, 24, and, and Jake Melksham kicked 20 goals in 13 games. You know, he was very important in, in, in late in the year when when he did play. He won't obviously play this year due to the knee injury, but he becomes a, a bit of a, a bit of a sort of 
an an open hole there for a, for a mid-sized uh, forward to come in. They're and, sort of missing and, a connector, aren't they, Doc? Really, you, you talk about Melchon. They're sort of missing that that link guy that can get it to Fritch and also chip in, you know, with one or two if he needs to. I, I think that's Melbourne's big deficiency forward. Yeah, well, it's, it's really interesting. The, the top goal assist players last year were Petrarca and, and Cozzy. So we know Petrarca's been playing a lot more minutes in, in the forward line as well. He's sort of, sort of trying to split his time between the between the centre bounces and, and floating forward. So I just think, you know, I think you've got to commit. I like, I, like the, I like the fact that they're putting their star player in the forward line. He's getting his yeah. licks, but... He's got a bit, they've got to be a little bit more consistent or at least have the cover in the midfield to make sure that Petrarca does get his, you know, impacts the games the way that he does and continues yeah. to, you know, be a presence in the midfield yeah, as well. Yeah. I, I think if Oliver's out, Kat, that Petrarca must play majority mid. It's just not a debate. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Vining's been doing a very, very good job of carrying that midfield group um at the moment and they've got young guys that are starting to rotate through there a little bit more as well which is good to see um but yeah it's he's a star and why wouldn't you put him in there um i I think it just makes sense let's talk breakout players though gentlemen uh i'll throw it to you first miller who are you looking at for a breakout from melbourne this year well, I'm looking at a guy that's uh, changed his number but hasn't changed in the hearts of us. We love him. Jaddy McVee, boys. He's absolutely stellar last Jaddy. year. I think that he showed that he's a great lockdown. But what we'll see, I think, this this year is that he's got a bit of offensive capabilities about him as well. I think that he's a lovely kick, great depth on his kicks, knows how to hit the target, um, very good at kicking on angles. So I think that Jaddy McVee proved last year that you know he, he's definitely best 22. 20, 25 games. In his whole career came off the rookie list, which is you love hearing stories like this. Only twenty, um, so got a lot of footy ahead of him. So I reckon he's due for a, for a big um, campaign in twenty twenty four. Don't mind that. Yeah, great shit, great shout. Um, I'd like to redirect the attention to a man who has been in the Melbourne system now for a few years. Uh, he, he'll he'll be set. He'll set to play his hundredth game potentially on grand final if Melbourne get all the, if Melbourne play all the way through. Uh, that's um, and that's Tom Sparrow, boys. Um, mm. I think he's yeah, he's an interesting, he's an interesting little case. He's sort of been playing half forward, a little bit of mid. And, you know, he saw some time in the guts last night against Carlton. And look, if if the if they are going to potentially play Petrarca fifty fifty forward mid, these guys need to come through. And I think Sparrow is going to be the one bloke who I think can can really lift in the midfield. Yeah. I think he's right in that you know sort of frame where he can take his game up another couple of notches. He's definitely looked good across all across the preseason games. And I think he's going to be, you know, 23 games last year and he averaged only about 12, 12 disposals or so, uh, no, sorry, 17 disposals, kicked 11 goals as well. So, you know, he's a guy that can really hit the scoreboard as well as, as find the footy. So I think give him some more midfield minutes, uh, you know, he's played, you know, 20 or more games now for the last three seasons. He's looking really fresh. He's looking ready to go. I think he's going to have Jeez, a massive I like that. Now, mm, I'm going to go with uh, Bailey Laurie, boys. You talk about a guy that can act as that sort of connected piece. I thought against the Blues, just quietly, four score involvements, a goal assist, three inside 50s uh, from his 17 touches. He doesn't mind the pressure acts as well, uh, young Laurie. I want to see him probably getting on the scoreboard as well a little bit, but... 
I could see a, a very fast start um, to 2024 for him if he gets into the team early doors, which I think he will. He only played the, the five games last season, so he's definitely got space to um, well and truly grow into this team. So uh, watch this space for young Bailey Laurie, I reckon. Uh, but let's so nice yes, one, let's, yeah. let's talk like ladder positions as well. Doc, Melbourne, uh, obviously expectations are, I think are a bit wild at the moment <laughs> given the off-season, but I'm interested to see where we all <laughs> fall with them here. Oh, geez, if it's, a, if it's a season full of getting on the gear or bags, they'd probably be in the top two considerations, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about football. Uh, yeah, look, it's it's hard to really assess. I think I think they'll probably I think they could play. They're definitely in that sort of bracket between top four and potentially jumping out to about tenth or twelfth, depending on where the mindset is at. And I think if we saw if last night was any indication, I think they'll probably play finals again. Um, I think that you know it could be anywhere between fourth and eighth. Um, but I, I I just don't see. I just don't see any reason why they can't. I mean, if they can keep their um, they can keep their list reasonably healthy. I mean, right now it's not looking particularly great. I mean, Lockie Hunter's a calf test for round one. Uh, Tom Fullerton's not going to play. He, they brought him over from from Brisbane, and, and I think structurally he was going to add a lot in terms of backing up Max Gorn. Uh, we don't know when Ben Brown's going to come back. Uh, Jake Melksham, as we said, not going to play. Uh, and Joel Smith uh, probably going to be in jail by mid-season. So <laughs> it's, yeah, look, right now they're missing probably, yeah, three or four players in that best 22-23. You know, Cozzy's another one. He's, he's not playing until round two because, once again, he uh, sniped, sniped somebody off the ball and uh, the MRO only gave him a couple of weeks for it. So um, suffering your who jobs, mate. Thought, uh, who would have thought he's yeah, a sniper? Ne- never seen it. <laughs> Yeah, well, if the Sam Powell Pepper news is any indication, he should be <laughs> shitting his pants. Um, <laughs> look, I, I I think there's enough talent in, in Melbourne's list to suggest they'll be finals bound again. Um, a big watch is space on Caleb Windsor. Don't we love – didn't we love watching his performance last night, Miller? Oh, he looked very silky. Kicks two beautiful goals as well. I, I think he's going to be a player for them definitely to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, I, I'm going to say yeah. that the Ds do drop out of the eight this year. I think it's it's easy to say in a Pracky game, Doc, that they're looking good. There's no pressure on the Pracky games. And uh, I think come opening around, it might look a bit different for Melbourne. And like I said, they've got a risk to get off to a poor start this year, so I'm going to say it won't be by much. I think they'll still be a, a 13 sort of win team, but it's not going to be enough to get them into finals. I can see them bouncing back next year, but yeah. this year I reckon Miller, they're, they're going to miss. Just yeah, a, look. Sorry, Miller, just quickly. Uh, ninth easiest draw in the comp as well uh, this year. Double ups against Brisbane, Collingwood, Fremantle, Port Adelaide, West Coast, and the Western Bulldogs. Okay, not too bad. Um, yeah, look, it's tough. I'm with you, Doc. I think the the mental strength of this team and the mindset, can they get it right? That That's what's going to decide if they're top four or bottom bloody one and relegated to the VFL. Um, the, the key will be, I think, you know, there's bullshit always talking about their scoring. They will still find ways to score. They've got Petrarca. He's one of the best creative players in the comp. They've got Fritch who can kick goals. They will find ways to score. 
Um, this list is still talented enough and still in a great position age profile wise and everything. Um, so I think that, you know, when you look at where they are from a physical and team and everything standpoint, they're in a great spot. So they just have to sort of mentally get into the right headspace to attack a a strong season. Um, so I've still got them, you know, I've still got them between fourth to six. I think that that the Melbourne are good enough um, that if they can get it all together, there'll be a threat to be reckoned with still on the field. More than all anything. right, there you go. Predictions are in for the Ds. Let's close this episode of previews out, Doc, with the Sydney Swans. Uh, last year, they ended up finishing eighth, which I think maybe betrays a little bit of what they did do last year. A solid season for the Swans going out in the elimination final. Uh, but this year, a lot of hype and a lot of expectations around them, I think, at the moment. Lots of uh, solid recruits coming into the Swans, obviously headlined by the likes of Brody Grundy and Taylor Adams joining. Uh, they're, they're, I think, quite primed right now, Sydney, despite the injuries. Uh, Mills and, and Parker are the big ones. Uh, they're looking good in my eyes. Yeah, well, last year I think Sydney were quite inconsistent and I think, you know, in terms of getting games into their kids a little bit more, I think that's a you know a big tick there. Um, but yeah, look, I think a lot of a lot of the fanfare has become of their recruits. I mean, Grundy, you know, walks right into that best twenty-two, replacing Tom Hickey. Mm. Um, and you'd argue already he's uh, you know not, with no disrespect to Tom Hickey because we love him, he's Brody Grundy's a head and shoulders <laughs> better player. Um, yeah. Taylor Adams brings a brings a nice veteran little head in into the midfield, and you know it'd be good to have him in there if he doesn't you know does his doesn't you know burst his hamstrings. Guys like James Jordan as well going to be very important uh, where he plays. I, I've heard a lot about him being placed on a wing, and Joel Hamling as well. The uh, the like for like for Patrick McCartan as he enjoys retirement. So yeah, they've got a good list profile. I think you know fifth in the comp for experience. They're eighth in the comp for uh, age. Uh, they're the eighth oldest uh, list in the comp. And, you know, six six on average for, um, for goals, for career goals as well. So very, they've been, they, they were exciting in 2022. I feel like they've taken a step back, but now I think they can, they can really charge this year more. Yeah, I think so. I think they've got a lot of match winners, electric players in in the team, sort of headlined by the uh, environment that Tom Papley can bring to the team and the energy and we we know what he can do. I I think Heaney as well will respond a a pretty poorish year by his standards. Um, We know what he can do at the highest level. He's a very good player. Um, And and they've got these great young guys coming through. Um, Shelly, one of our favourites, Sheldrake. He was um, he's been touted as you know one of the up and coming this year. Got to get some good minutes with Parker and Mills out, and one of our favourites probably all time is Errol. I mean, what what can he do? Errol. And what haven't we said about him? I still think that he is the most skilled player in the competition, oh. which is, which is scary to think because you know what what he's been able to do at just twenty one is sort of freakish in a way. He's so 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 good. Um, I think that he's going to take the Swans to another level Jeez, this year. I, I mean, it's a big call, but if there's anyone that can hold that title, it is Errol. Um, yeah, I mean, getting that midfield mix um, right, I think, is still something that the Swans have got to look at. Obviously, the talent is undeniable. Um, and, you know, a lineup of Gould and Warner, Robot, I don't think anyone would be mad about. But 
just looking at the cracking game lineup, they've got Heaney named in the centre bounce, but we still don't really know if his plans as a full-time forward, a bit of a mix, maybe more of a midfielder. That's something to look at this mm. year, I think, in terms of my expectations. And the cohesion of the forward group as well, Doc, it, it is still a young group, especially the keys um, in there. I mean, Amadi, McDonald, McLean, uh, those are guys that all have so much talent, and Logan McDonald especially, I think, um, is very, very close to becoming one of the premier forwards in the, the league, similar to Jai Amos, I think, over at Freo. But um, it's getting that group together and, and playing a game style where, uh, you know, they, they're not going to be inconsistent because it is part of being a young team. I think part of why they were inconsistent last year is that, um, you know, they do have these key players who are still so young. So that's what I'm watching for, I think, with the Swans this year. Yeah, that forward line uh, mix is going to be interesting to watch, uh, especially uh, come round one or round zero, Miller. Uh, just, you know, we, we saw the best of Hayden McLean late last year. I mean, it's a great contested mark. Um, we know Logan McDonald's a high-end draft pick and, you know, 44 games, you know, he should be starting to get into that mm. phase now where we're, see, we're seeing, you know, other key forwards in his draft class, like, like a Jamara Hagen, for example. He's starting to really take off in terms of his talent, you know. Where's where do we see Logan McDonald come the end of the year? Is he going to be the man in the forward line? Is he going to be the support role? You know, these are the things that I think need that need to be considered. You know, Buddy's not there anymore, so there's going to be a little bit more unpredictability with how Sydney move the ball and how they go and who they're going to target inside fifty. You know, the, the dynamic with Tom Papley last year was interesting. We saw him play a little bit more in the centre bounces as opposed to yeah. being the being the pest, uh, little short ass in the forward pocket. Um, can, you know, is it can can he be an influence in that forward fifty, or will, will Horse use him as well to help out the the, the young fellas in the midfield? Now, there's a lot of lot of intangibles going on about the, the forward line that I'm very keen to have a look at. But for my money, you've got to start really with both. Well, McLean's going to play second ruck anyway, so he's got to be in. Yeah. Um, but Amati and, and McDonald are, are two really really talented players as well. I mean, I think you know if he's fit. Joel Marty is quite an exciting player to watch. So yeah, yeah, well, I, uh, I, 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 yeah. I, I just want to see who else who, who else are they going to get in there that's going to kick some goals for, for the Swans. Well, I, I think they really like the look of Sam Wicks, um, Doc. Who they, 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 he's got a bit of something about him, a bit of mongrel. Will Haywood, we know, is a very very good finisher in front of goal. Doesn't squander many chances. Lethal, um, I think, when he gets his opportunities. So. I think Logan McDonald can become the man. I'm pretty high on him. I think he's filled out his body a fair bit. Just seeing him in a couple of the practice games, Cat really has filled out that size. And I think he's got an opportunity to take take mm. on that role that I think he's been sort of building nicely towards. I don't think he was ready last year for it, which is kind of good that I think Buddy stuck around. And I think that he's had that opportunity to learn off arguably the greatest, one of the greatest key forwards of all time. Um, so... I think that Logan and that forward line is in a really good position because, as Doc said, the intangibles are all positive. They've got so many things that can go for them in the right way that can propel this team to extreme yeah, levels, definitely. I think. I'm so big on what McDonald can become as a as a player and it'll be an interesting watch uh, once once his contract starts to creep closer and closer. We know Freel have loaded up on draft picks for this season. That's going to be an interesting watch. Whether they chase him hard, but um, I guess in the midfield as well, whether... 
the loss of, uh, you know, having Parker and Mills out for a good half of the season will be interesting. Um, the more I've thought about it, the more I think Heaney, Adams and Grundy as well in the ruck will be uh, a strong group to lead them, even without two of those really key pillars. So uh, it's obviously not ideal missing the talent, but I think on field they will be just fine uh, in terms of players leading from them. But Miller, what is the burning question for the Swans this season? Well, the burning question for me, Kat, is um, not the quality of the recruits, but how does these new players blend with what they've got? We know that what they've brought in are, are all pluses, Hamling, Jordan, Adams and Grundy, as we mentioned, all fantastic. But how long will it take for this whole group to gel? Because um, important players to bring in Grundy brings a new ruck to a new system. Adams brings a new midfielder into a system. A key back is always um, finding a way to sort of get them blended in. Doc is important. So... What sort of stage do we think they'll? Is it going to be straight away, round five, round ten, mid-year, or you know, when do you think they'll start maybe getting it all flowing? Oh, look, it's hard to really sort. I think maybe at least mid-season until they sort of settle in. I think individually, yeah. you got to wait maybe a season before they really start to flourish. But like with roles like you know, say Grundy for example, you know, all these all these primary jobs got to do is just tap the ball to the. Uh, to the midfielders, maybe that takes half a season to really figure out where the guys like a, like a Goulden or a Chad Warner are going to position themselves or where they're going to run onto. Yeah. Um, and you know, g- given his work rate in the past, you know, it's not going to be you know too too hard to sort of blend in and sort of you know go chase the footy, go win your contested ball, you know, make sure you get you know Errol involved. He's he's a great user. Um, guys like Jordan, uh, very difficult to say because it's. You know, depends on his role. If he if he's a wing option, you know, probably won't be too hard because he's he's already an intelligent player in terms of where to be on that outside and where to be. You know, to receive the ball, and he's a good user of the ball too. So he's not going to be. It, I don't think it'll be too much of an issue. And you know, Hamling's a key defender. Might might take some time, but you know, if he's going to play one on one, he's an exceptional. He's he does an exceptional job at that. That's if yep. he is fit though. Um and. Yeah, I suppose Taylor Adams is just the guy there to that's going to have to sort of you know lead. You know, he's got years and years of experience. Guys like guys like Warner and 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 Errol can can sort of lean off of Braden Campbell, another one, and 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 Jimmy Rowbottom. You know, so look to answer your question in short, Miller probably it may take half the year to yep. see these guys fully sort of blend into what Sydney are trying to do. Um, but all of them have had pretty much you know good good pre-seasons that might take a little bit quicker it might be a little yeah. bit quicker than the, that. the one whose impact mm-hmm. i'm looking at the most is adams i think miller you know I, I think he's got a chance to be a similar sort of recruit like tom mitchell was to collingwood where he just fits a role a specific role in the midfield we spoke about last year how we want to see a guy who's maybe more the the get in there and get the ball out because um, we know errol's so good on the outside chad warner can be so explosive um jimmy Rowbottom's a hard tackler but uh, he's maybe not the, the cleanest with his skills when you compare him to some of the other guys in there. Uh, Adams can be a, an extractor and a, a tough nut in there, and I think he suits those young guys really, really well. So for me, I think he'll have the biggest impact. The other guys, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. We've got Malikin lined up um, in that back line, which is interesting. Um, I don't know whether Hamlin's being looked at as a, a guy who's going to be a first choice or just as depth down there, I'm not sure on that yet. But um, look, I think they've all got the opportunity to make an impact, whether that takes half the season or not. They're all undeniably 
uh, quality players, um, that'll be good for this Sydney team. But let's talk other end of the spectrum. Breakout stars, Miller. Who have you got breaking out for the Swans this year? Oh, I'll tell you what, there's lots of great young players on this list and I'm probably going to steal one of you boys with uh, this one. But I mentioned him briefly before. It's going to be the A3 favourite, Angus Sheldrake. I think that he's got an opportunity to <laughs> go absolutely nuclear <laughs> this year. Um, still only you know 20 years old, hasn't even played 10 games yet, but we've seen in those games that he played that he is an, a great, great AFL player. He's going to have a long career. Um has got lots of characteristics like the the man who's injured at the moment, Luke Parker. Very similar style. Love the way he goes about it. And I think hopefully um, he can be a really important player for the Swans for, for many years to come because he's got some natural ability that's oozing out of him. Um, and I reckon that he'll have a huge year come 2024. Jeez. Yeah, I like that call. Miller, I'm a big fan. You know, I'm a big fan of Gussie. Uh, he looks the goods. I actually had him written down, but that's all right. <laughs> we'll change it up. Um, <laughs> I'm Sorry. Gonna, I'm going to go to... I know he's been a bit maligned by Swans fans in the past, but Hayden McLean's end to the year, boys. I think there's just something cooking yes. with this young man, and I've given a lot of love to the forwards these previews. Uh, Hayden is certainly uh, no <laughs> different. Uh, that four-goal bag against the Giants, followed up by uh, was that six more across his last four games, two including one in the elimination final. Um, he's done well to get around the ground. His marking really, really improved. I mean, 12 marks against Carlton as well, absolutely massive. Um, I think that of all the That's forwards, right. I know I said Logan McDonald's probably, he's definitely got the highest um, potential out of a lot of them, but in terms of immediate impact this year, I reckon McLean Dock is the one that's taken the big next step this season. Yeah, well, he had, an in, he had a pretty good uh, 2023, all things considered, McLean. I mm. mean, 21 goals, 14, and, you know, nearly was sort of, you know, He's just that great sort of second up uh, ruck option because he's a guy that can you know pluck yeah. pluck him down forward and, and sort of be, be the presence. We saw it in that Carlton game at the end of the year. Um, my breakout star is a guy who I have been who's been on my radar radar the last couple of seasons. Uh, was high end draft pick. I think it was twenty twenty one, something like that. Hmm. I think it was twenty two because uh, he made his debut last year. It was a uh, it's Matty Roberts, boys. Um, now, hey. word from the Swans HQ is that they're going to play him a lot more as a halfback operator uh, this year. Yeah, he played six games uh, in 2023 and looked pretty good when he came on, uh, you know, in games as a sub and had a promise. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about the promise that he, that he has, but I think give him, give him a spot in the halfback line. I'm not sure. Not We know the Lizard Man's going to be the premier ball oh. coming out of the defensive half. Um and possibly maybe an Ollie Florent can can go down a halfback as well, and 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 Jay Mac, Jazzy McInerney, Jazzy. Um, but I I think that I think that there's still a spot there up for grabs for a guy like mm. Matt Roberts who can who can manoeuvre the ball, and he's very very he, his draft year was incredible because he could actually pick out really good targets from you know the 45 degree angles, you know from 35 40 meters out. He was very very good with his kicking skills. Yeah. Um, I'm be looking forward to his practice practice match against the Lions and seeing that it, you know if he can dissect through what's supposed to be a top two back line, um, then you can mark him down for round one. Or you can mark him down for probably 18 games this year. Um, uh, that's huge. I love that because he's a smooth operator, isn't he, Doc? He's very very classy with it. 
He is a smooth operator, but I and I, and I, and he look if if it's not his year this year, if he if he breaks down, I think he I think he'll 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 still try to crack in with some games because I think horse yeah. loves him to <laughs> absolutely. Let's talk ladder predictions as well, boys. Uh, Swans, uh, I think there's a lot of hype around them, like I said before, um, boys. But uh, I'm I'm high on what they can do this season. I think, like I said, got to see the forward line really connect and. Um, and develop as a group, but I think across the ground they are good enough to be a final side again. I'll say they just miss out on top four. I'd have them around fifth or so. I think they'll do better than last year, more consistent Miller, uh, maybe 14 or 15 wins as yep. opposed to uh, 12 or so, but um, I think yeah, they're, they're primed to get back to finals this year, the Swans. Oh, yep, definitely. I'm on that boat. Um, I've got them in that top sort of six area. I could see them pushing for top four. This list is talented. A little bit worried about the key defensive stocks. Um, if someone like McCartan or Melican was to go down, I'm sure they'd find a way to, to sort something out. But um, this is a great team. So much talent. So many players, as Doc mentioned, with the age profile that are in great positions in their careers that, that fit what they're trying to do at Sydney. So, I've got them top six. I'd love to see them sit fourth. That'd be absolutely great. So um, I think they're in for a big season. Yeah, I I think that they've got coverable depth there in in in, in the key in the key defensive uh, stocks. I mean, you know, McCartan Mellick can probably first choice. Then you got Hamling. Uh, you've got Aaron Francis as well. You can probably you can play there as well. But you know. There's there's options there to consider, and Rampy can play above his height as well. He's done it yeah. for many many years. Um, I think the list is certainly capable of, of being top four. My biggest gripe with it is no Parker and no Mills for half the year, so a lot more pressure on 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 the young kids. A lot more pressure on Taylor Adams, who's got a bit of uh, who's now got a bit of an injury history. You know, good player when fit. Will he get will he get maximum midfield minutes, or will sort of he have that role he had last year at Collingwood, where he plays a little bit of half forward and plays a little bit of mid? Um, that's something to really look out for. I can't commit just yet to top four. I think they'll be I think they'll be finalists again. I think they should they should at worst aim for a home elimination final. But uh, I think you know with a full, with a with a fit uh, you know Parker and a fit Callum Mills, they're definitely yeah. I think it changes the dynamic massively, Cat. If they can get everyone on on the park, they're a bloody stack. Yes, definitely. So, but how many teams can we say that about? <laughs> that is for sure. That's uh, true. Well, that's that true. is that's very true. Yeah, no, it's it, it's all fun and games, Cat. Before uh, until somebody brings out the squeals. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I can't try and get that together. Uh, that is the end of this round of previews for us on the A340 podcast. Thank you so much for listening along. Make sure you follow us on our socials before the season starts so you know when new episodes are coming out. A340 podcast on Facebook and Instagram at A340 on Twitter and of course our email as well, A340 at gmail.com. That's the time of recording this. We've only got one week until there is footy being played for premiership points, which I simply cannot believe is actually happening, but we will be there to cover it all across the season as always. With all that said, I've been Alex Catalano. I've been Alex Miller. And I've got a huge season ahead of us and one more group of previews to come as well. So stick along for the ride with us on A3 this season. Go Errol. Come on, James Jordan. Come on, Manny Roberts. (laughs) Yes, well.